Chapter Eleven of the Three Midshipmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Three Midshipmen by William Henry Giles Kingston chapter eleven life on an african cruiser that naval officers do not idle away their time when at sea on beds of roses the adventure of my three old schoolfellows will i think convince all my readers who would have thought when we were together at dear old eagle house that they would ere many years had gone over their heads have actually crossed swords with real red-capped or turbaned mohammedans fought with true greek romantic pirates hunted down slavers and explored african rivers with voracious sharks watching their mouths hungry crocodiles basking in their slimy shadows and veritable negroes inhabiting their banks yet here were all the three alex murray jack rogers and terence adair collected on board her majesty's brig of war archer commanded by captain grant alec had come out in the brig from england the other two after being shipwrecked nearly drowned murdered and starved eaten up by sharks and having undergone i do not know how many other terrible dangers had at last been picked up by the archer their own ship the ranger frigate being they did not exactly know where this last circumstance did not probably weigh very much with them midshipmen are not generally given to suffer from over-anxiety from affairs terrestrial but rogers certainly did wish that he could let his family know that he was well and pick up again after having as was supposed gone down in a slaver the frigate had captured off the african coast they were capital fellows those three old friends of mine rogers was a good specimen of the englishman janus middy so was paddy adair of green erin isle full of fun and frolic and a more gentlemanly right-minded lad than alec murray scotland never sent forth from her rich valleys or rugged mountains he too was proud of scotland and ever jealous to uphold the name and fame of the land of his birth the archer was a fine brig and captain grant was a first-rate officer when naval officers or seamen go on board ships of war they have to take their share of the duty with the rest of the crew so rogers and adair found that they should have plenty of employment even though they might not for some time be able to join their own ship captain grant considered that idleness is the mother of all vice so he took care that no one in his ship should be idle and certainly he had the knack of making good seamen of all who sailed with him the midshipman's berth in the archer was a very happy place because the occupants were with few exceptions gentlemanly well disposed and more than all well and religiously educated young men 
i do not mean to say by that that they always acted with the wisdom and discretion of a bench of judges far from that they were merry light-hearted fellows full of fun and frolic but they could be grave and treat serious things as they ought to be treated with reverence and respect jack and paddy quickly found themselves perfectly at home among them the archer had been standing off the coast of africa under easy sail when just as the cold grey light of day stole over the waters a vessel was seen inside of her evidently making for a harbour in the neighbourhood as the light increased she was discovered to be a schooner all hands make sail cried the officer of the watch who had just made his report to the commander all hands make sail echoed the boatswain giving with his shrill pipe the well-known signal tumble up there tumble up there roared out the boatswain's mates with their gruff voices to the sluggards who seemed inclined to stick in their hammocks in a few moments the watch below were rushing up on deck and flying to their stations and then as if by magic the masts and yards of the brig were covered with the broad sheets of canvas which had been furled during the night top-gallant sails royals and studding sails being set in rapid succession away glided the brig with her head towards the land through the calm leaden-coloured water jack and terence had with the rest sprung on deck not taking many moments to slip into their clothes few landsmen can understand how quickly that operation can by constant practice be performed they had there joined alex who had the morning watch together they all went aloft to take a look at the chase she's a slaver from her evident wish to avoid us and from the way she is standing observed alec after having taken a long look at her through his glass we may prevent her from embarking her slaves and save the poor wretches the horrors to which they are always exposed when once they get on board these iniquitous prison ships to look down on the slave deck crowded with human beings is quite sufficient to make a man abhor slavery for ever after and to desire to put an end with all his might to the system which can produce such horrors jack and adair agreed that they should have great satisfaction in capturing or destroying every slaver on the coast the stranger soon discovered that the brig of war was in chase of her and having crowded all sail kept away directly for the land from the wide spread of her white canvas and from the way she had behaved there was no doubt she was a slaver everybody felt certain that they should capture the stranger the archer was undoubtedly overhauling her and she could not escape either to the north or south without their perceiving her and cutting her off an hour's chase brought them in sight of the land it was a low uninviting shore lined with a dense belt of mangrove bushes a few tall palms appearing here and there above them then the ground rose slightly with some ranges of blue hills in the distance as the sun rose a mist was drawn up which floated just above the water and shut out the lower branches of the mangrove trees though their tops 
forming a wavy dark line could just be seen above it none of the officers of the archer had been on the coast before and as she had no pilot it was necessary to approach it with caution the lead was therefore kept going the schooner stood boldly on the fellows will i'm afraid run her on shore if they can't find no other means of escaping observed the captain after scrutinizing the chase and the coast she was approaching through his glass we shall have her she can't escape us that's one comfort cried jack rogers on flew the schooner the wind freshened somewhat suddenly she entered the belt of mist everybody on board the brig rubbed their eyes where was she not a vestige of her was to be seen as they approached the land the roar of the surf on the shore reached their ears there could be little doubt that the schooner had been run on the shore and would probably soon be knocked to pieces while her crew had made their escape to the land captain grant was anxious to stand in as close as he could by the deep nine sang out one of the men in the chains by the mark seven soon repeated another to approach nearer would not have been prudent the canvas was therefore flattened in and the brig's head was once more turned to seaward scarcely had she hauled her wind than the sun having risen high above the land the mist lifted and the whole line of coast fringed with mangrove bushes and here and there with a white belt of sand appeared in sight but the chase where was she not a sign of her appeared on the shore while neither to the north nor to the south was she to be seen jack looked at adair and adair looked at jack and together they discussed the matter with alick but neither of the three could offer any satisfactory explanation of the matter captain grant and the rest of the officers appeared equally puzzled as the brig stood closer in shore there was a chance of the mystery being solved the hands in the chains were kept heaving the lid which showed that the brig was slowly shoaling her water at length she was to have two and two boats were lowered their own lieutenant hemming who had escaped with them from a sinking slaver volunteered to take charge of one of them and evans the second lieutenant of the brig went in the other the former as the senior officer had charge of the expedition as she cannot have escaped along shore and certainly has not evaporated into the air the chase must have got into some creek or inlet the mouth of which we cannot distinguish observed the captain you will therefore search for such an entrance and pursue and bring her out if you can ay ay sir answered hemming delighted with the work in prospect the three midshipmen got leave to go in the boat jack accompanied evans the other two went with hemming as did jack's old follower dick needham away they pulled in high spirits as they approached the shore they observed that a long line of white surf was breaking heavily on it hemming stood up and scanned the coast narrowly thinking that after all the schooner must have been run on shore and as slavers are but slightly put together might have speedily been knocked to pieces 
as he stood up and the boat rose to the top of the swell he saw not what he expected but a piece of clear water inside a narrow spit of sand and a little to the south he observed a spot where the surf broke less heavily and which he concluded was the entrance to the creek or river i have little doubt that this must be the place where the schooner has taken refuge and as soon as she's gone up so may we shouted hemming pointing it out to his brother officer evans agreed with him and the two boats pulled away in the direction indicated that there was an entrance was evident but it required great caution in approaching it a capsize would probably prove fatal to all hands for had any escaped drowning they would have fallen a prey to the sharks which in southern latitudes generally maintain a strict blockade at the mouths of rivers to pick up any offal which the stream may bring down the boats rose and fell on the smooth swells as they came rolling in at last hemming observed the space on the bar clear of broken water he gave the signal to go ahead now my lads now pull away he shouted the boats dashed on the surf roared and foamed on either side of them and not only did the three midshipmen but most of the older men in the boats hold their breath till they were well through it and once more floating in smooth water inside the bar instead of being in a mere creek they found that they had entered a broad deep river which seemed to come down from a considerable distance in the interior they pulled on more certain than before of finding the chase however after they had gone some distance they arrived at a spot where the river formed two distinct branches or rather it might be where another broad stream joined the main current up which the schooner had proceeded it was impossible to say i'll take one stream you take the other shouted hemming to evans and the boats dashed on it was important to overtake the schooner before she got higher up and perhaps hidden away in some narrow creek where it might be no easy matter to find her the scenery was far from attractive little else on either side was to be seen but long lines of mangrove bushes and as the tide fell black banks of mud began to appear which it was evident would soon narrow the width of the stream evans and jack took the branch of the stream which came from the southward it wound about a good deal so that they were aware that they might any moment come on the schooner they kept their muskets by their side ready loaded i say mr evans i wish that we could see the chase some time before we get up to her observed jack what are we to do should we find her sir jump on board and knock every fellow down who resists was the lieutenant's answer depend on it she is a slaver or pirate probably both and her crew will not give in without a tussle with the greatest pleasure in the world replied jack who was very practical in his notions about fighting and had no idea of half measures the current was now making down very strong and the boat consequently progressed but slowly still mr evans persevered 
the men bent lustily to their oars and reach after reach of the river was passed but there was no sign of the chase now and then there were openings in the mangrove bushes and more than once jack felt certain that he saw some dark figures running along parallel with the river and evidently watching their movements jack pointed them out to mr evans that looks as if we had enemies in the neighborhood observed the lieutenant be ready my men marines look to your arms the boat pulled eight oars and there were two marines in the bows and two in the stern sheets sitting with their muskets between their knees in the bows of the boat was a small swivel gun and all the blue jackets with cutlasses and pistols besides the lieutenant and jack there was a coxswain and there were some half-dozen long pikes which as the latter observed would come in handy if they had a fight with another boat or had to attack a fort but for boarding he would not give a rush for them the ebb tide rushed past the boat dark and smooth but with swirling eddies which showed the strength of the current against which they had to contend i wonder whether the other boat has fallen in with the slaver i envy them if they have observed jack who didn't much like being silent just then there was something very oppressive in the atmosphere and in the dark solemn scenery which surrounded them the sea breeze had by this time set in and blew up the river but it had not yet been strong enough to make it worth while to hoist the sail i scarcely think the schooner could have got up so far as this observed mr evans but we will pull on a little farther and then if we do not see her we will go back and join the other boat they had just then arrived at the end of a reach the extent of the next one was hidden from their sight by a point of land thickly covered with trees they pulled on and soon doubled the point directly they did so there appeared before them pressing up the stream under all sail the object of their search the men required no urging but bending to their oars away they pulled in hot chase after her the schooner stood on steadily as if no one on board was aware of the presence of the boat of a british man-of-war the boat rapidly came up with her as they drew near jack remarked that her decks were crowded with a very ill-looking set of ruffians but he cared little for that and he knew that every man in the boat would be ready to attack even twice as many as there were there they had to go up to within a hundred yards of the schooner without any notice being taken of them give way my lads we'll be alongside in a moment shouted the lieutenant scarcely had he uttered the words when a couple of guns were ran out at the schooner's stern ports and a shower of langrade nails bits of iron lead and missiles of all sorts came rattling among them accompanied by a volley of musketry one or two of the seamen and one of the marines were hit but the boat pulled on as fast as before marines give it to the scoundrels cried mr evans 
the red jackets turning round deliberately picked off several of the people who had fired at them they had scarcely time to load again before the boat was alongside the schooner and the seamen cutlasses in hand began to scramble up on her decks pikes were porked out at them pistols were flashed in their faces and cold shot hubbed into their boat but fiercely as the pirates fought they could not prevent the british seamen from gaining the deck of their vessel desperate was the struggle which took place there both parties fought for their lives the english knew that they would receive no quarter the pirates did not expect it either jack was soon knocked down but he got up again with a somewhat ugly gash on his arm and went at it as hard as ever at length mr evans and his men gained the after part of the vessel and were thus able to command her movements but the pirates still clustered thickly in the bows and were evidently preparing to make a rush aft the english had left their boats which was alongside with her painter made fast to the four chains this was an oversight the pirates perceived it hauled her ahead and instead of attempting to regain their vessel the greater number jumping into her made off leaving four or five of their companions in the hands of the british these few threw down their arms and sang out for quarter this was granted them little as they deserved it meantime the rest of the pirates pulled away for the shore and were soon concealed from view behind a wooded point see the cable ranged to bring up mr rogers was the first order given by the lieutenant ay ay sir answered jack but he found that he could not obey the order as there were neither cables nor anchors on board it was therefore necessary to keep the vessel under way and to endeavour to beat down the river had the english known the channel this might have been a more easy task than it was likely to prove they were obliged to make very short tacks for fear of getting on shore and in whatever reach they were the wind always seemed to head them so that their progress notwithstanding the strong current in their favour was but slow their victory had not been gained without considerable loss a marine had been killed and three other men besides jack had been wounded two of them so badly that they were unable to help in working the vessel this made mr evans not a little anxious and he kept looking out ahead in the hopes of seeing the other boat coming to his assistance jack also who never failed to make good use of his eyes was not altogether comfortable for he had observed in the openings where he had before seen people a much greater number evidently keeping a watch on the movements of the schooner as soon as she could be kept moving there was no great cause for fear but should she get on the mud it was difficult to say what might happen jack was stationed forward at length the schooner entered a reach which ran nearly north and south and the wind enabled her to lay nearly down it no sign of the boat yet mr rogers sang out mr evans from aft 
no sir answered jack but there are a number of dark objects in the water which look remarkably like canoes they seem to be waiting for us at the end of the reach where we must go about we must run some of them down and give the rest a taste of the pirates guns replied mr evans the guns were got forward but neither shot nor powder was to be found still undaunted the seamen and marines stood ready to receive the expected attack things looked serious jack soon made out not less than twenty canoes full of men with a couple of large boats so posted that it would be impossible to avoid them the schooner was but a very little way from the junction of the two rivers and the other boat might come to her assistance but her best chance of escaping was by getting a strong breeze so that she might dash past the fleet of canoes before they could manage to catch hold of her there was a prospect of this the wind had for some time been blowing in fistful gusts and now it came down on them stronger than ever to shorten sail was out of the question but in another minute jack and his companions found that they had more than a little vessel could well stagger under that was all right though on she flew towards their enemies why there is our boat among them exclaimed jack she must have got down by some other channel we shall have a hard tussle for it the critical moments were approaching they could already see the faces of their enemies and most villainous-looking ruffians they were many of them were blacks but there were several white men among them steady my lads now don't throw a shot away until they attack us sang out mr evans stand by to go about down went the helm the jib was shivering in the breeze a loud shout aroused from the canoes and boats and making a dash at the schooner many of the villains began clambering up on each quarter at that moment a violent gust come coming down between an opening in the trees struck the vessel it was not a moment to start sheet or tack every one indeed was engaged in the desperate conflict with their assailants jack was rushing forward to drive back some fellows who had just hooked on their canoe at the lee four chains the marines were thrusting away with their bayonets a huge mulatto had grasped mr evans by the throat and several other seamen were grappling with their opponents overheeled the vessel just as she was in midstream another gust more furious than the first struck her in an instant jack felt that she had gone over not to rise again he scrambled up over the bulwarks into the weather chains where he hung on while the rest of the combatants english pirates and negroes participated into the rapidly running stream two or three of the canoes were swamped some of the blacks swam to the other canoes and were picked up but numbers of the combatants grappling with each other went down in the dark whirling stream their shouts cries and struggles quieted only by the water which closed over their heads jack climbed up to the bottom of the vessel and looked round his heart sank within him where was his late gallant comrades mr evans and the rest not one remained 
the capsized schooner was drifting rapidly down the stream jack however found that he was not alone but he would gladly have dispensed with his companions two blacks had hung on by their rudder chains and now as they climbed up they caught sight of them their eyes flashed vindictively they had their knives in their belts but no other weapons he had retained his grasp on his cutlass and he had a pistol in his belt but he feared that the priming must have got wet the blacks began to creep slowly towards him they grinned horribly and were evidently intent on his destruction jack saw that he had not the slightest prospect of escape and must depend entirely on his own exertions he had no notion however of giving in the schooner rapidly drifted away from the place where she upset and none of the canoes were following her jack grasped firm hold of the keel of the vessel while he held his weapons in his hands ready for action fortunately the blacks could only move on by following each other they shouted to him in fierce rough tones but what they said he could not understand he was not alarmed but he held his pistol very tight the ruffian got close to him jack cocked and presented his pistol if it missed he had his cutlass ready the negro smiled or rather grinned he thought the pistol would not go off jack pulled the trigger the negro fell over and over down the side of the vessel into the water he tried to swim and to regain his lost hold but his strength failed him and with a cry of disappointed rage he sank under the tide a small circle of ruddy hue marking the spot where he had gone down jack had not however a moment to think about this he had just time to grasp his cutlass in his right hand before his enemy made a spring on him jack was still only a boy though a good stout one but his nerves were well strung and his muscles were strong he swung his cutlass round with all his might till the blade met the neck and shoulders of the black and over he went into the water where he at once sank without even attempting to strike out for his life indeed jack's blow had almost severed his head from his body a very short time had been occupied in this encounter still the schooner had drifted down some way and neither the pirates nor their allies seemed inclined to follow her notwithstanding this jack's position was far from a pleasant one if the vessel drifted on to either bank of the river he would probably be murdered and if she continued in the stream she would soon be among the heavy breakers on the bar where he would in all probability be washed off and devoured by the sharks with straining eyes he looked out for hemming's boat but she was nowhere to be seen he soon drifted past the channel up which she had gone not a sign of her could he perceive on drifted the schooner the channel must be very deep he knew or the mast must have struck in the bottom should this latter happen he was afraid that the current gathering round her would speedily wash him off his hold 
he felt very grave and sad and though he was certainly not afraid he could not help being aware that the life he had found so pleasant and so cheerful and to which he had so many ties was slipping away from him the courage of an older man might well have given way jack sighed deeply but his courage did not give way for he said to himself god's will be done in that feeling was his strength and support i am in god's hands he will preserve me if he thinks fit on drifted the schooner the current strengthened by the additional stream grew more rapid the vessel kept in mid-channel he might have gained nothing had she verged on either side unless he could have got near enough to catch hold of a stout branch of some mangrove bush where he might have hung on to it till the boat came by when should anybody see him he might be rescued otherwise lingering in painful death would be his lot instead of the speedy one he had every reason to expect the roar of the breakers on the bar sounded mournfully on his ears he could see the white surf dancing less high above the sandbank and he knew that in a few minutes he might be among those roaring hissing raging breakers he thought that he could see the white sails of the brig in the offing but she was much too far off to render him the slightest assistance there was he thought one chance more the current might set against the sandpit which crossed its course and if so he might be washed on shore he watched eagerly to ascertain if any logs or branches floating down took that direction there was nothing to give him assurance of this for a minute he thought that she was going towards the spit but the current again seized her and whirling her round sent her driving rapidly onwards towards the boiling breakers jack felt the wreck rise and fall he clutched firmly hold of the keel useless as he believed it to be the foaming waters sounded in his ears the foam washed over him and he knew that he was in that terrible bar in the midst of the raging breakers End of chapter eleven